0: Good morning. Let's start our worship this morning with a song that you have in your bulletin, I Hear the Savior Say.
1: welcome you to this morning's service and we're glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning to come and praise his dear name. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we trust that you will feel at home and that you will sense the presence of the Lord here. For those of you who gather with us regularly, we're glad that you have come and it's throughout the week that we live and when we come together, we worship the Lord together and we draw deeper, uh, we draw closer to the Lord. May each one of you feel uplifted and encouraged as you are worshipping here today. In Psalm chapter 146, verses 1 through 10, David encourages us to praise the Lord. Listen as he says in verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all, of my, all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your your God, O Zion, for all generations Praise the Lord. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we come into your house to worship and sing your praises. You are the awesome God who has created all of us, and you have blessed us beyond all imagination materially and financially. However, more important than all of this is the personal relationship that we can have with you. It cost you the price of your son's life so that we can have salvation. Indeed, from this, the most wondrous gift comes, a relationship where we can walk with you each day, and you have promised in your word that you would never leave us or forsake us. This morning, we invite you to come in your presence and make your home within each of our hearts May we focus on you as we gaze upon your beauty, your holiness, and your purity. Our prayer is that you would have your way in each of our hearts this morning. Come, Lord Jesus, we welcome you. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Can you open your hymnals to number 562, Christ has for sin atonement made. What a wonderful saviour. Please stand. Number 43, Immortal Invisible, 43.
1: Take your bulletins with me. Turn to page two. Of course, next week, Sunday, October the 10th, is Thanksgiving. It's hard to believe a year has passed already since the last time we celebrated Thanksgiving, and we are to have a heart of thankfulness. We encourage you this week, to think of things that, are, that you can be thankful for. And um, thank the Lord for all the blessings that he has shed on our lives this past year. Even in the midst of trouble and heartaches, God is present with us. This Monday, 7 p.m., Missions Committee will be meeting on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m., the Women's Prayer Group. Then on Wednesday, 2 p.m., Bible Study on Revelation here in the Sanctuary. And at 7 p.m., the Education Committee will be meeting. Of course, personal needs. Um, Betty Reimer is in the hospital still. Pray for her that the Lord would touch her. As she suffers, it's difficult that um, she has uh, cancer and Lord, we ought to be praying for our people who are sick continuously. Sunday school, um, prayer requests. We ask, we still do not have Sunday school teachers or a Sunday school superintendent. Make this a matter of prayer. Perhaps God is calling you. And if he's speaking to, his heart, to your heart, we, we would pray that you um, would listen to his call. Then our missionaries during the week, Don and Char Ep, and then the congregational prayer meeting this Thursday, October the 14th, from 7 to 9 p.m., you are invited to come for a time of prayer for rain, and yes, we've had some rain in the past, but the soil still is very, very dry. We also want to pray for the needs of the church, the church programs such as the Sunday school, the Bible studies, etc., and for our pastors, uh, God's direction in the upcoming planning meeting and other needs and concerns within our church. So please come out on October the 14th. And then activities and opportunities of our church, transportation ministry, um, would you like to have a ride to and from the Sunday school worship service? We are here to help. There is a need for more drivers to bring people to church. and Maybe God is calling you to be one of those drivers. We encourage you to come step forward and give a ride to someone who would otherwise be unable to come to church. Let's come before the Lord in prayer one more time as we bring our needs before him. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we come before you to worship and adore you, to praise your name. As your children, we realize that we are a needy people. We cannot go and live our lives on our own. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us not to run behind or in front of you, but alongside of you as you guide and you direct us. That's why we cry out to you that you would be our guide, our anchor, and our stay. Heavenly Father, you have pointed us to your word found in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As Paul wrote to young Timothy, he said, I urge you then, first of all, that, prayer, that requests, prayer, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, that you have ordained governments. We thank you that we still live in a free society where we can vote. We pray for the government that has just been elected one more time, for Justin Trudeau and the liberals. Lord, we ask that you would have your way in their lives and in the government that you would work in their midst, Lord, your ways to come about. We know, Lord, that you will work all things for your glory and for our good. And we pray that as believers, we would be holding up our government before you. We would be praying for them earnestly, not just every once in a while, but daily, for they have an important responsibility. And as we pray, we know that you work Through our prayers Heavenly Father we thank you For our MP Candice Bergen As she represents us We pray that you would give her strength As she makes many important decisions And we pray for her protection And for boldness As she stands to do that Which is right Bless her family We pray too as she travels back and forth From Ottawa that your hand of protection Would be upon her Lord, they have many important decisions that are made daily. And also, Lord, whatever they decide, we know that there will always be those who are for and against. We pray, Father, that your hand would be upon him, that he would make the decisions that you have called him to make, him and his government. And we left them up before you. And once again, Lord, we pray that we, this would not just be a prayer On one day of the month or just here and there, we pray, Father, that we would be a people of prayer, bringing those officials before you daily as we pray for them, as we pray for their families. And most importantly, we pray, Lord, that all government officials, whoever they are, that they would come to faith in you and they would experience salvation from your hand. Heavenly Father, we pray for our church. We thank you for the church that you have established uh, so many years ago. This church has been blessed by your hand for the past 127 years, and we still continue on, but it is impossible to go on without you leading and guiding. That's why we are praying as for the planning meetings that will be coming up in the fall. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon all those who gather and that you would give us insight and direction, that we would walk with you, and that your will would be done. We thank you, Lord, for the people who attend this congregation. Lord, we realize that there's many people who have illnesses and problems and heartaches and difficulties. And yet, Lord, you are, Lord, of everything. We bring before you Betty Reimer at this time. As she is in the hospital, we pray for strength for her, Lord, and that you'd give the doctors wisdom on exactly what they need to do. We pray, Lord, that you would take away the pain that she is suffering. We lift her up before you, Lord, and pray that your will would be done in her life. We pray that this day she would sense your presence and your nearness to her, We pray, Lord, that she would be encouraged as she takes time to worship you this day. We thank you for the Sunday school department that we've had over the years. Heavenly Father, we realize at this time we do not have a Sunday school superintendent nor teachers. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon this department that you would bring forth those people who you want in those positions. And so we give this to you knowing that you will do what is best. We pray for Don and Char as they get ready to go back to the mission field. And at the same time, we realize that um, with COVID and all the other restrictions, it makes it difficult for them. We pray for your guidance and your directions. And while they are here, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, that you would use them mightily as they share with various congregations um, their plans and also how uh, the congregations can pray for them. I pray, Father, your hand would be upon them. Then, Heavenly Father, we just pray that you have, would have your hand upon us as a congregation. Lord, that you would bring unity. Lord, that we walk together in faith, that we would love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourself. Lord, we pray that as we enter this fall year, that you would make our path straight, so that we can do your will. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today, we pray that you'd bless each person, that you'd speak to their hearts. Lord, that um, as we listen to the message and as we continue to sing, that we would put out off of our minds the things of the past, the things of the present, but we would just gaze upon you and your beauty, your holiness, for you are here present. May we exalt you. May you be lifted up. In all that is said and done, for this we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. At this time, we're going to call our ushers forward. Okay, let's bar our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we pause before you to give you thanks for all the blessings that you have given us. We simply give back in reminder to us that we owe it all to you, and yet you only require us to give 10%. And yes, Lord, you even require us that if we have a heart of love that we give beyond even our 10%. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that as we give back to you, that you, in turn, would bless each gift and giver. May your hand be upon everything that happens with the finances that are collected so your kingdom will spread across this world. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Of our scripture passage this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 25, and continuing in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who is called you to is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thus, for the reading of God's holy word.
2: Thank you for that reading. Thank you for that playing. That was really special. Thank you. And thank you for coming. I am uh, delighted to share with you what I learned this week. It delights me to get up here and tell you those things. Uh, last week, you will recall that uh, from reading First Peter 1 from Dean's message, that we have an awesome salvation. Well, God has an awesome salvation. It is his salvation of us, and he has worked it on our behalf. And in his mercy... He sent his son, whose blood was shed, to purchase our salvation, granting us an inheritance that will not perish, spoil, or fade. So profound is this work in its scope, its depth, and its beauty and its permanence that the prophets studied it, and even angels longed to look into it. What a blessing! So this is the starting point of today's sermon. And the obvious question is, okay, now what? If we are so precious to God that he would go through all this work to redeem us from our inescapable, sinful human nature, what is God's intention? Well, Peter doesn't waste any time in answering that question. Based on this awesome salvation that was described for us, Peter instructs us how to live. It makes sense, doesn't it? If God saves a life which would otherwise be lost, he may require something of that life. And for what reason is a life saved? God has a purpose for saving his people. He doesn't save us for our sake, he saves us for his own purposes. For his own glory. Our lives were not just saved, but bought with the lifeblood of his son. And therefore, the saved life belongs to God. And if the saved life belongs to God, then there is a requirement for how to live. Peter gives us eight things (laughs) in this passage About How to live and I want to encourage you. I know this maybe isn't some people's practice But to underline them as I come across them. I'll tell you when we get to them underline them in your Bible And and if you've never made a mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to start Uh, Especially if you don't take a lot of notes otherwise Uh, But you know if you underline a few things and you write a few words in the margin You're going to remember those things the next time you come across them. Some people use a pen, some use highlighters. I like to use a pencil because as my understanding changes, then sometimes I like to rub it out and write my new thought in there. So let's be students of the word. Mark up your Bible and remind yourself of what you've learned. The first thing is chapter 1, verse 13 Underline, prepare your minds for action. The New King James says, and I like the way it says it here, gird up the loins of your mind. Or as one dictionary puts it, to muster one's resources. So it's indicating that there is work to be done. and We're not unfamiliar with this concept. I remember when it was time for, for chicken killing with Eileen's family. We made sure that we were well supplied with knives and brushes and cloths and sinks and bowls and freezer bags and soap and labels and water and all. What you, well, you know, <laughs> if you've done it. Then we set up tables for cleaning, eviscerating, cutting, and bagging. We set up the bandsaw and the scalding barrel and the plucker and the funnels for slaughter then we filled the Miagropa with water and put a fire under it so we'd have piping hot water all day. Then we'd fill cold tanks with water to put the birds in after eviscerating. All that preparation was done for chicken killing. It was a family event. Anyone who wanted chickens for winter had to show up. And it was a day in which we mustered all our resources to make this day happen and share in the harvest of chicken. Gird up your loins. It's a call to work. And what is this work? Nothing new here, but the remaining seven points will tell us more about it. So number two... The second thing he commands us here is, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Underline that. When we set our minds to a task, it is helpful to have the larger picture in view. The first thing we need for this is to think clearly, to have control of our minds. As it says there in that verse, being sober-minded or self-controlled. The second thing we need is to know the goal of our work. The goal of chicken killing is not to have dead chickens. The goal of chicken killing is to have food in the freezer that will last the winter. So when you get together with family and friends to share a meal, you can remember the goodness of God and be thankful for his provision. A long view is required to understand why we do so much work on one day that leaves us all exhausted. And the same thing is for the Christian life. We need to uh, have the long goal in mind so that the work of living our Christian faith out, uh, we, we have the goal in mind and we know why we're doing what we're doing. So when we set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us when Jesus is revealed, it is it is for that long view. We know that the work we do now will pay off when we're greeted by Jesus and welcomed into his eternal kingdom. That hope is the long view. That hope is a sure hope. That hope is the harvest for which we are working. So we're mustering our resources. We've got the goal in mind. What is the work? Well, here's the first part. Underline in verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Former ignorance refers to the mind we had before we knew Christ. We are not to conform, not to be molded, Into the passions that ruled our unsaved minds. In broad categories, uh, they would be passions for wealth, power, pleasure, glory. None of these are problematic in themselves, but these are not to be the targets of our desire or our affection. Through obedience, we make Christ our desire, He is our desire only he satisfies our desires for he does it with he does not do it with temporary things but eternal things when we became christ followers we turned from the passions of this world and set our hope on christ do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance the fourth one in verse 15 is be holy in all your conduct what does it mean to be holy One dictionary defines holiness like this. The quality of God that sets him utterly apart from his world, especially in terms of his purity and sanctity. What I get from this is that God is distinguished from his creation by his purity. The Old Testament quote uh, that you see there, for it is written, you see that? That quote comes from Leviticus 11.44. And that Leviticus passage is is about cleanliness concerning animals. Clean animals, unclean animals. How to handle dead animals. And it is about staying clean and distinguishing the clean from the unclean. So when God says in Leviticus, Be holy because I am holy. He was giving Israel a set of practices that would shape how they thought about God and themselves in relation to God. We could say that being holy means to be clean before God in our thoughts and in the intentions of our hearts. If they are pure, then our words and actions will be pure as well. And the reason given for this command is that God is holy. If we are made in his image and we've responded to his call, then it seems right that God should require us to be like him. As he who called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct. Fifth point, verse 17 Conduct yourselves with fear. Underline that. This seems a little bit odd to us. Living in fear or with fear. Even our, even in our COVID world, where many are afraid, we wonder, we as believers wonder why we should live with fear. We don't have to live with fear as the world does. But there's a bit of a lengthy explanation here. And let me read through it slowly to see if we can catch it. So I'm going to read again verses 17 to 21. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now remember that Peter is writing to a church that is persecuted to the point where they've been scattered. And that is the exile that they are endearing. And, and the reason for this command is what follows. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. In other words, you were not bought with cheap and temporary things, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, Every Jew knew that God required a spotless lamb for sacrifice. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So this sacrifice was not a snap decision that God made to save people who were in trouble. It was planned in eternity past, before the world even came to be. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest, or made known... In the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. I, <laughs> I spent an hour and a half thinking just about this passage. How do I explain this with, to help us get the whole thought clearly understood because there's a lot of words here and there's a lot of thought that can be pulled out of it. And it seems I can't summarize it in less words, but I can summarize it in more words. (laughs) And here's what I came up with. God is the judge of all souls. God made the plan to save souls. God planned it before the creation of the world. God bought mankind with something infinitely more valuable than gold and silver, the precious blood of Jesus, which is the acceptable sacrifice of the spotless lamb. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. And God revealed Jesus in these last days for our sake. Who, who through faith uh, or who through Jesus have come to faith. So everything in god's uh, salvation is done by god it's all done by god therefore and this is where that concluding statement makes sense therefore our faith and our hope are in god those who call god father must know that everything depends on him therefore conduct yourselves with fear he is the one who brings us either brings us in or leaves us out Number six, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 22. Now we may not need a whole lot of explanation on this command, but the context of this command has insights for how we get there. Gesundheit. So let's read again verse 22. Having purified your souls... By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Again, a lot of thoughts in that short verse. According to this passage, we purify our souls by obedience to the truth. This aligns with the command to be holy. To be holy is to be pure, to be clean, set apart to God. So the command to be holy is accomplished through obeying the truth. Obedience, then, is the big challenge. You may be familiar with that challenge. Obedience is not just a fork in the road. The road of obedience is a decidedly different one than the road that has been traveled to that point. One road is the road of human nature. The other goes against the grain of human nature. When you mention the word obedience in Canadian culture, people think you're talking about training a dog. For the past few generations, many North Americans have resisted the rod and sought to reason with their children rather than teach them to obey. That makes the prospect... Of obedience, even more difficult in adulthood. If I do not learn to obey my parents, how will I ever learn to obey God? Obedience requires a change of heart so profound that our knee jerk reaction is to resist, to rebel, and to defy any person who would urge or claim our obedience. So what is it that makes obedience so hard to choose? Well, it requires something. It requires repentance. It requires humility, self-denial, and submitting our will to someone else. Obedience requires everything that goes against our culture's ethic of human rights the enemy would still have us believe, as he said in the Garden of Eden, that we will be like God when we eat the forbidden fruit of disobedience. But we know how that ends. Obedience to the truth is the only viable option. And it will purify our souls. Obedience also purifies our focus. It purifies our intentions. And it purifies our devotion to the one we obey. But most importantly, obedience purifies our souls. Okay, so if we can get here to where we choose to obey, what then? We look at the Bible and we wonder, where do we start? Well, why don't we make this simple? Let's start with the great commandment. Jesus said, uh, quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then he quoted another one from Leviticus 19, verse 18. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's from Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Do you want to obey the whole scripture? This is how you do it. If you're not sure what it means to love God, Jesus clarified that for us when he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So, loving God means obeying God, and obeying God is loving God. That's
3: altogether top. <laughs> Whatever God commands, that is what we ought to do.
2: And then we are loving him. Paul also helps us understand what it means to love our neighbor. In Romans 13, he wrote this. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Well, that's simple. Yeah, it's not so simple. It's simple to understand, that it is, and praise God for that. To love God, to love our neighbor, is the fulfillment of the law. The difficult part is in living it out. I was talking to someone just yesterday who was fuming mad at someone else. Well, we know what to do. Especially when we review the scriptures that remind us how to treat each other in light of how God treats us. It's hard work. And we don't want to do it. But not doing it is to defy the one who saved us. When we don't love people, we don't love God. And we break the command. So... Let's go back to verse 22 and read it again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, and which truth is that? Love God, love one another. For a sincere brotherly love, and then the command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In other words, keep on loving and do it sincerely. Sincerely. Without pretending. And there is another reason to continue loving God and neighbor, and that evidence, and it is the evidence that we are born again. So I'm going to read verse 22 into verse 23 here. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, and abiding word of God. For all flesh. And all its. Is like grass. And all its glory. Like the gra- flower of grass. And what is that glory? Well it's pretty short lived. The glory of grass. And in fall now. It's pretty easy to see. The grass withers. The flower falls. But. The word of the Lord. Stands forever. And this. is Word is the good news that was preached to you. Peter has reminded us what makes it possible for us to walk in obedience and love. First, we are born of imperishable seed. Perhaps you will recall from John chapter 3. Do you remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus? And Nicodemus acknowledged that Jesus was from God. But Jesus introduced him to the requirement of rebirth in order to see or even enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. What is the imperishable seed? It is the spirit of God. The physical body can only produce another physical body, which, as we all know, dies. The spirit that is born of God does not die, because imperishable seed produces imperishable offspring. And then also in Acts 1, the risen Jesus says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my my witnesses. Those who are born of the Spirit have power. The power to obey, the power to love with unpretended brotherly love. Power that the flesh cannot give. The second reason for walking in obedience and love is that our rebirth happens through the living and abiding Word of God. This statement tests our confidence in the Word of God. If we don't have confidence in the Word, then we have no confidence in our rebirth. And if we have no confidence in our rebirth, then are we still living in the flesh? Living according to earthly desires? Peter says two things about the word of God that point to its reliability. First, it is living. It is not dead and lifeless so as to have no effect on us. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And in Isaiah, the Lord says this For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God is alive. It exposes our thoughts. It convicts our hearts and commands us to believe in the only solution that exists to reconcile us to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's word is not ineffective, but accomplishes God's will. The word of God is also abiding. That means it endures and it continues. The word of God does not peter out. No pun intended. It does not wither or come to an end. When we think of things that endure, we think of rock and mountain, the reliability of the rising sun or the cycle of the returning seasons. But Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Even the things that to us are stable in our daily life. These things Jesus calls temporary compared to his word. Therefore, when we obey the commands of scripture to love God and neighbor, we demonstrate that we are born again of the imperishable seed. That we stand on the enduring, abiding, and living word of God. Through this obedience, we also purify our souls, enabling us to love each other with genuine, unpretended love. That was the sixth one. Number seven, chapter two, verse one, underline, put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Every evil act and intention must be purged from our minds. I was reminded of a saying that we used to hear a little more than we do now. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I should should have let you finish it. (laughs) I need to be reminded of that, and I'm sure you do too. It is very easy to slide into Speech that dishonors someone. Let's help each other remember that. Every evil act and intention must be purged from our minds. And number eight, the last one here, chapter 2, verse 2 drink in the living and abiding word of God, that you may grow up or mature in your salvation. We take in a lot of things that we don't need to take in. Perhaps we could exercise a little discernment about our intake. What kind of books do we read? What kind of movies do we watch? Or how much time do we spend with these things? And what kind of music do I listen to? The intake of the word of God competes with all these things. And there are more. Verses 2 and 3 say, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed. I wonder, what does that last line say to you? To me, verse 3 says two things. One, that if you have tasted that the Lord is good, then obedience and love is the path for you to walk. So walk it. And number two, if you choose not to walk in obedience and love, can you call yourself a believer? Remember that we deceive ourselves, as James says, when we hear the word of God and do not do it. We deceive ourselves when we hear and don't do. So obedience and love is the path for us. Let's wrap this up. We've been born again to a living hope that will never perish, spoil, or fade. In light of that, Peter commands the following response as the way to live our lives. So here's the Victor Engbrecht paraphrase. Number one. Prepare your minds for work. It's work to live the Christian life. Number two, remember the big picture. Our hope is in Christ and his return. Right? That's going to make all that that gives context to all the work that we have to do to live a holy life. Number three, do not be molded to the passions of an unbelieving mind. You have to change how you think, you have to change the thoughts that you allow to inhabit space in your mind. Number four, be holy in all your conduct. Be pure and clean in your intentions. Then you don't need to fear anything. If your intentions are right toward your neighbor, toward God, you can live with a lot of confidence. Number five, conduct yourself with fear, remembering that everything in your salvation depends on God. He's the one who brought it about and who saves you. And he does it with the blood of his son. Number six, love one another with a genuine, unpretended love. Be real. Number seven, put away every evil thought and practice. Number eight, drink deeply from the word. I firmly believe that it would be very good for all of us to be in a Sunday school class or in a Bible study group that meets regularly. Where do we sit around with fellow believers and chew on the word of God? The title of this message is called Called to be Holy. We serve a holy God and he wants us to be like him. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. I've given you a lot of Information this morning, a lot to think about. And you may want to think about some of it more. So if you'd like a copy of this sermon, please contact me or the church office and I will gladly give you one, either in print or by email. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Thank you for the great salvation which you have brought about, planned long ago, and brought through your son Jesus, by him laying down his life and shedding his blood, that we might live, not just for today, but for eternity. Thank you also, Father, that you have not left us any doubt about how we should live, And I pray that you would give us the courage to take the time and evaluate our own thinking, our own living. Am I conducting my life with fear, fear of the Lord? Am I conducting myself in holiness? So, Fathers, we ponder these things. I pray that you would impress on us the things that we need to change To be more like you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Would you go with each one of us? In Jesus' name, amen.
0: The closing songs in your hymnal, number 534, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Could you please stand?
2: Father in heaven, you know what we are doing this day. And so we we seek your guidance, we seek your spirit's work uh, for the deacons who are processing this and, and making contact with, with nominees. But we pray especially, Father, for those whose names have been put forward. We have... We use this system to, to discern your call on our lives. And so, Father, we trust that there is a call. And we pray that you would move those whom you want to use to say, yes, I'm willing. And now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you and have a good day.